Hello and welcome to Super Women, a podcast designed to help you manage your money and to end the gender gap that's forcing so many women into poverty when they leave work. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Really Simple Money team and MLC, helping Australians plan a better retirement. In the studio is our illustrious Super Women team, not all women, I should point out, oh, Bernadette Chua, who is a woman and who is leading our campaign. G'day, Bern. Hi, Rosie. And our campaign director, Peter Lynch, who is not a woman but supports <coughs> us entirely. Hi, Peter. Hi, Rosie. (laughs) (laughs) And I am Rosie Jacobs. I've had my coffee today and I'm your host and the Superwoman Campaign Coordinator. We've got a really great lineup for you today. Later, we'll be speaking with Lauren Fraser from Telstra and they're about to pay their staff superannuation during parental leave. I'm dying to hear about this one. So well done, Telstra, on a great initiative. And you've also got my vote. Lauren will be telling us how the new has been greeted by their staff. And we know our bad money habits are all about the way we think. New research shows that six in ten of us, this is a lot, put off important conversations about big financial decisions. The result is more stress and the chance of a very bad outcome down the track. Yes, psychologist Jackie Manning has developed a simple downloadable guide. It's called How to Talk About the Heavy Stuff. Serious illness, death, and funeral planning. So, how do we start these challenging conversations? Bern, what do you think? God, that does sound heavy. It's really interesting. Nine in ten of us know it's important, but 80% of us don't want to talk about tough topics like illness or estate planning. Well, I mean, if I'm inheriting billions of dollars in maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I reckon it's more important to talk about it when you don't have the billions, you know, (laughs) give yourself a chance. But of course, we'll be speaking with Jen Frost, my awesome friend Jen, and our resident money guru from The Reality Check about the painful subject of borrowing. Well, that's definitely a conversation I'll be putting on. (laughs) So, Bern, what is the news from our campaign director for better super outcomes for women? So, Rosie, we've had over 100,000 supporters and 9,000 have listened to previous editions of our podcast. So, kudos for us. Um, And our first video is available at reallysimplemoney.com.au forward slash superwomen telling the story of Glenn Marie. I know your personal favorite, Glenn Marie Frost. Yes. One of Australia's biggest PRs and corporate women who ended up sleeping in her car because she had no super savings. She's phenomenal. Honestly, if you haven't heard of this woman, just stick with us. You want to hear about this one. It's going to be a big election issue. The government is promising better outcomes for women. The Greens are supporting super being paid on parental leave. And we've got the backing for our campaign of 5 million super fund members for our demands through supporting super funds like Australian Super. God, that's Pretty impressive. I'm I'm impressed with those numbers. So let's hope Treasurer Josh Frydenberg is listening. He'll be putting together the budget statement for the end of March. We need more to help the gender gap in super. Let's get to it, Josh. Yes, considering he says our economy grew by 3.4% in the December quarter, the equal strongest quarterly growth in 46 years, we can definitely afford it. Oh, yes. 
But first, Telstra's decision to pay its staff super during parental leave. Well, now, as you know, our Super Women campaign is asking the government to make this mandatory for Australian workers to try and remove the gender savings gap that means women retire with up to $150,000 less than men. So I am personally celebrating Telstra's decision. I imagine many people out there will be as well. But what you may not know is that Telstra, with just over 20,000 employees, is one of the top companies to work for if you're having a baby or if you're the partner of the woman having the baby. So in 2020, it was in fact the number two company to work for, only second to KPMG, as the best employer for new parents in a survey by HBF and Core Data. And today I'm really stoked to say we have Lauren Fraser, the Employee Relations Manager at Telstra. Lauren, g'day. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Rose. Hey, Peter. Uh, Great to be here. Now, Lauren, welcome. I'm so stoked to have you here with us today. But I've got to confess, I didn't actually know that about Telstra before this morning. It really does sound like a great place to work, especially if you're a parent. Thanks, Rose. Yes, it definitely is. As a parent myself, I can say that's the case. Uh, And I'm really privileged to be leading a team that's um, looking after negotiations for our new enterprise agreements at at Telstra. Um, And as part of that process, we've been able to uh, look at boosting our parental leave benefits. So so what that will mean is uh, super being paid on unpaid parental leave for up to 24 months. Uh, And for us, that's um, in addition to our 16 weeks paid parental leave. We'll also look to extend that to um, our senior leaders and also to our lawyers who uh, are not covered by the EA. Oh, okay. So you guys really are a step above and beyond what the average company is required to do. That's right, Rose. So we definitely are leading the way in paying super on on unpaid parental leave. Uh, And when we think about even in our own backyard, uh, we have 91% of our employees taking unpaid parental leave are women at Telstra. So it's really important for us to, to make an impact where it matters. Yeah, 100%. And and in fact, I believe around one third of your entire staff is female. I mean, that's that's going to have a massive impact on the company. And, and I imagine that's putting you guys right up there in terms of branding and, and people being proud to work for Telstra and, and what you guys are doing in supporting women in the industry. That's huge. It is huge, uh, and and I think uh, when I think about for for our team, um, it's it's been awesome. Um, prof- professionally, we've been able to to put forward this benefit that will make a real difference to um, our employees' future, uh, and in particular, women. So, people who are currently on leave can't quite get this one yet because it's just around the corner. Is that correct? That's right. It's just around the corner. So we're in the, the final stages, we hope, of, of negotiations um, with our unions and other employee bargaining representatives. I think um, what's important to note, though, is um, the unions also see this as a, a really important benefit um, and have been advocating a similar position on behalf of their their members as well. Wouldn't it be great if you guys were the uh, the, the role leaders and, um, and setting the example for other companies to follow and getting the unions behind you? That's phenomenal. So, Lauren, can I ask, did this, uh, did it come from the staff, the need to do this, or did it come from Telstra's bosses? I think a little bit of a combination, Peter. Well, that's uh, the best way. So, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely, 
yeah, been on, you know, um, some people's radar and agenda um, internally. But I think then too, our, our leaders saw the importance of being able to stand up and do do something that's that's really going to set people up for the long term. I've got to say though, this is this is the interesting part. We're not just talking about women who are going to benefit here. We're talking about the male staff who equally do decide to stay home, or maybe not equally, but more and more men are deciding that that they'd like to have that turn at staying home and being the parent that cares for the child, so they can benefit as well. Definitely, that's right. And I think um, because this is a gender neutral entitlement, it, it really helps to normalise the caring roles of all parents. Uh, and 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 this just goes one step further because our, our policy itself is also gender neutral. So we have that ability um, to to provide for paid parental leave for um, a person regardless of their gender. And we've seen a great uptake uh, in the last couple of years since we, we launched that as well. Oh, so it's a happening thing. I think you and your husband did a swap while you were looking after your son, Lockie. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I took about nine months off paid and unpaid parental leave, uh, and then my husband stepped in for the last four months. Uh, I think it's fair to say while we were focused on, you know, who would be cooking, who would be cleaning, who's who's changing the nappies, we weren't thinking about super uh, at yeah. all. Uh, and, and it was it just wasn't on the radar. Uh, and when I look back on it now, it's, it's really me who, who was um, most impacted as a result. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, maybe if there's another one on the horizon, I'll, uh, I'll get Ben to stay at home. <laughs> Look, I wouldn't blame you. I know when I went back to work after having my girls, I was so happy to be back in the office. I think it's by far the easier role. But it does sound like Ben's wouldn't mind. Is that right? Oh, definitely not. And and he did an awesome job. Uh, I, I think he'd be happily be the, the stay-at-home parent. So uh, who knows what the future holds? Does his company also uh, pay parental leave super? Uh, they don't at the moment, not on unpaid parental leave. So oh, okay. it would be obviously a factor in our decision-making process in the future, potentially. Needs to have a word with his bosses, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was that simple. Uh, well, that's why we're chatting today, isn't it? Like we're really trying to just pioneer change right across the board. And and one of the other areas, Lauren, that you'd know we're really calling for change is in terms of advice on super you know, we want women, particularly in the 30 years plus group, to be financially savvy and really um, financially literate around their super in particular. And we find that hardest part is getting young women to even think about their super in time to do something about it. You know, a lot yeah, of them yeah. are just leaving yeah. it too late. Has that been your experience or have you been witnessing that in Telstra in particular? It's really interesting. I think, you know, when I think about Friday night drinks, um, pre or post-COVID <laughs> days, if I can, uh, you know, it's definitely not top of the agenda, um, you know, for the Friday night debrief. Um, you know, if anything, we, you know, might talk about our, our bank balances at the end of the night. Um, but After we're not who shouted the last round of exactly. cocktails. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But we're not, you know, we're definitely not thinking about retirement uh, at all. So, you know, I think this proposal um, for, for Telstra just really helps to shine a bit of a light on on that internally um, and get that conversation going, uh, as you say, particularly for that 30 plus age group. Yeah. Which is when women are really, you know, quite at the peak career-wise, you know, I, I really think that any company that considers 
doing this is in fact going to be putting themselves out there as the ideal company to to work for. So you're really going to be enticing a lot of the top women, women at the top of their game who are also, let's face it, women in their 30s are the ones looking at having children. So, you know, this is going to be a real incentive for any company that is looking for the best women to work for them. Well, I absolutely agree. But uh, tell us, Lauren, what's been the reaction of staff? Do they appreciate the value of what they're getting? Definitely. I think it's it's been amazing to see, actually, the, the overwhelmingly positive response amongst employees. I think, too, in, you know, speaking to some of my colleagues who are either thinking about a family uh, or, or already pregnant um, in some cases, uh, for them, this just gives them that extra level of comfort uh, in terms of how they're being set up for the for the future. And it's just another reason why Telstra is really a great place to work. <laughs> And do you find, are you um, expecting you'll be asked by perhaps other companies how this works out? I think so. I think we're already probably getting approached to understand how it will work, what it will mean. And I think others will be watching with interest yeah. to see what it, what it looks like on the other side once we've implemented. I'd like to think that uh, once this is all, you know, settled and done and dusted, that um, that you're no longer the example. I'd like to think that this is the commonplace, you know, and that needs to be the case pretty bloody soon. That's certainly our hope. Yes, indeed. Lauren, it's just been gorgeous chatting with you today on the show. I hope there is another bub round the corner for you. <laughs> <laughs> My now, husband will kill me. <laughs> now you've done all the hard work and he can uh, he can do the nappies. I love it. <laughs> we hope to chat with you again soon and congrats again on doing such a brilliant job. Lovely to talk to you, Lauren. Thanks. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Rose. Right. Now, Burn and Peter, I'm about to throw a wobbly your way and I'm going to ask you, do you ever have chats with your significant family members about what you're going to do when you die? Um, Sounds well, heavy, right? Well, I know what I'm going to do when I die, but you mean what they're going to do after <laughs> well, I die. Well, that's it, because they're the ones left you know, mourning terribly. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I know, right? But <laughs> this is my point. Apparently 90% of us don't have these conversations. I'd be one of those 90%, Rosie. Same. Same. I mean, look, to be honest, I think my ex-husband constantly has conversations in his head about what to do when I die. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's oh, so not that go there. Sniper but... dot was from like, okay, I get yes. it. Yes. Right. Yeah, but, but uh, realistically, talking about our wills and what to do with our finances, I mean, we don't have these chats, do we? It's completely true. And I, I should reveal that when my, certainly when my father died, he was a great guy, ran a uh, small business, and I have never forgotten my sister and I have to go through everything. He told us nothing. We had to go through the entire house. We found stashes of small change inside drawers, inside the pockets of trousers. Mm. You know, there was no no plan at all for any of us. And at the end of it, it was really, I mean, we laugh about it now, but the best piece of advice we got was from the local bank that said, please don't tell us he's dead yet. Oh. Draw out cash now because you won't be able to get any once we close his accounts. And they handed us £10,000. Oh and I, we blessed them for it because we couldn't get actually into the account for three months. But we had to arrange the funeral and everything else. 
So we needed money to do it. So absolutely, Rosie, I know exactly what you're saying. And that actually is the situation for so many people. Insurance Line is a life insurance company that has a very proud boast. We handle the heavy stuff. And recently they carried out a survey of over a thousand people and found 89% of women say they are more conscious now of the importance of having these tough conversations with their loved ones, but that almost 70% of them feel uncomfortable about it because they might cause anxiety. Yeah, I'd I'd say that's guaranteed to cause anxiety. (laughs) So Insurance Line got psychologist Jackie Manning to develop a guide to having these really tough conversations called How to Talk About the Heavy Stuff, Serious Illness, Death and Funeral Planning. I think I'll wait for the movie. Oh, I'm with you there. (laughs) (laughs) Jackie Manning, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. Welcome to Super Women. How are you? I'm pretty well. How are you going? I'm great. I'm great. Good to see you're alive and kicking because we're going to be talking about some of this heavy stuff. (laughs) Was that a bit harsh? (laughs) Let's dive straight in and talk about the guide, shall we? (laughs) Yeah, the heavy stuff. And how do we overcome the problem, you know, talking about the heavy stuff? I'm trying to keep it lighthearted here, as you can see. But, yeah, Jackie, let's talk about this heavy stuff. And look, you know, the topics may be heavy, but they don't have to be, they don't have to be all doom and gloom, do they? I mean, like it's, we are talking about things like preparing for, for life or things that may go wrong in life, such as illness and death and a funeral. So, you know, that doesn't fill everybody with joy, but it is a part of life and it's important to honour that for ourselves and for our loved ones. And one way that people can get some clarity or some security is by planning. So when I did the work with Insurance Line, I was thinking about it and one of the main things to do is not – people feel anxiety when they put things off for too long. Um, And so – It gets bigger than it needs to be, doesn't it? It can. It can grow really big and and they want to avoid it. And that's human nature sometimes. We don't like to feel uncomfortable, but, you know, that is part of life. So – Sitting with that discomfort and making plans can help relieve that, that anxiety and actually make people feel better on the other side. Yeah, like, and sometimes I know that for myself, when I actually have another person sit down with me and then it, it kind of forces me, it's like going to the gym. When you've got you know, your workout buddy, then you actually make the effort to turn up you sit down, you have the chat, and you just get it out of the way. And then by the end of it, you go, oh, well, that was a bit easier than I thought. I think especially for women as well. Women yeah. do, I feel, get a lot of, um, derive a lot of help and support from other women as well, because I think when you do it together, it just makes you feel it's not so overwhelming to overcome. Yeah. We're very relational. We like to relate to people, whether that's, our, you know, loved ones, our friends or the shopkeeper, you know, we like to connect and, and talk things through. And and it's a good thing in this scenario because you can talk to your friends as well before you do any serious planning or, or logistical planning. You can talk to friends about how they've gone about it or do they have any ideas? What what are they doing about it? Now, Jackie, that's my question. That's my exact question. It's not the shopkeeper or your best girlfriend that actually is the one you need to sit down and do this. So when you say we have to do this planning. Who is the person that we talk? It's not the person behind the counter at the post office that you can draw your will up with, or is it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But um, I'm like, you never know, they might have good skills. But, you know, you can talk to your financial planner, your accountant about where you're at. You can talk to um, 
the solicitors that draw up your wills to get an idea. There's a lot of information online as well about what about starting points and everybody's different so this is there's no one size fits all and I think when we talk about planning a lot of that can be um a lot of personal planning can actually be quite helpful so what does that mean it means really just thinking and mapping out about what you would like what's the scenarios in your head about the things that you'd like to to you know who do you want to leave your estate to what do you want to do if you can't work for a while if there's someone that you in your family that that you'd want to move in with you, or just some scenarios or ideas about things, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to pan out this way. But just having some ideas is a good is a good starting point. Writing it all down can be really helpful because oftentimes with with any worries in our life, if they tick around in our head all the time, then they just gather speed and get bigger and and harder to deal with. So writing things down can be a good starting point. I think one of the things that people don't understand until they're in this situation uh, is that actually uh, you need to plan for the fact that you may not actually be able to make these decisions for yourself down the track mm. uh, and that you might need care. I mean, I think there's a, been a very, very big ad- advance in the fact that people can get care at home, but some people will have to go to old people's homes where they're looked after. Mm. Um, And what happens next in terms of their personal possessions is something you're absolutely right, needs to be considered. So how do you go about starting these conversations? Because you're quite right, none of us here, I I mean, I I was was talking to the guys here about the fact that when my parents died, actually, they did nothing. And, And so, you know, luckily, they did have a solicitor who was really friendly. And but but we had to clear up everything. We found things everywhere. There was there were three wills, and luckily the solicitors said, basically, which one do you want? That doesn't happen uh, very often. Now, but it Peter, doesn't, yeah. Peter, I'm glad you've raised that because um, we've actually all brought you here today Uh-oh. to um, <laughs> to to mention that you're not capable of making your own decisions anymore, and we're moving you into a home. But I've known uh, that for years, Rose. <laughs> and we want to know where all the money is. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, look, I mean, I, I have to say, so so how do you get people to think about this, Jackie? That's, I, I can, you know, I think the guide's a really great step, by the way, because I found that the best person who gave me the best advice was actually the funeral director, because he's the first port of call. Yeah, that's right. And it's, um, yeah, it's just thinking about, you, you know, you raise a few things there about future care that. So there's something called power of attorney which people can investigate and oftentimes it's helpful to do that when people are in a healthy state and healthy frame of mind. Um, so that's one thing people might want to flag to talk to their loved ones about. The the idea of funeral planning, sometimes people might want to keep that private but like what the, the details of their funeral, you know, they don't have to tell their family everything but to tell their family that there is a plan is probably a helpful information for their families to know I would suggest first things first is not doing things in a rush. So setting aside some proper time with whoever it is, whether it's one family member or all your family members, whatever you feel is right, is important to go, look, I've got something quite important to talk to you all about. We do need some time and space. Could you set aside a couple of hours, two, three hours, maybe have some lunch with it or something like that so that people aren't rushing here and there and I don't know, going to the children's sports or whatever. So that there's some set aside time to focus on this and to know that it's just a starting point. It's just a beginning. If it's parents talking to their children about 
planning. Kids don't, you know, they, they want to think that their parents are going to live forever. There's an inner child in all of us. But my my kids only want to know, like, you know, who's going to get the diamond ring and who's going to get the diamond earrings. Like that's Gosh, they're really onto it quite quickly, aren't they, Rosie? Oh, they're savvy and they're only eight and ten. That's all they care about. But Jackie, when you're having these conversations, though, what's the best advice when you're having the conversation with your loved one? Look, I try and um, be quite clear on what it is that you'd like to set out to achieve. It might just be one thing. It might just be setting aside power of attorney, attorney, or it might be looking at some finances, or it might be, you know, deciding with some funeral details. So you don't have to cover everything at once, but some people can um so be clear about what it is you want to achieve so you may even want to write things down keep your language quite neutral as neutral as you possibly can it's an emotional topic so or these are all emotional topics so there might be some um heat in the room or or anxiety in the room that's okay you know just try for you to try and keep as calm as possible would be a helpful way to navigate things. I find by writing things down or having a document to follow can be a way of neutralising things a little bit. But bear in mind if you've just written something down in your handwriting and and the rest of it, you know, in a casual way like that, that doesn't make it an official document. Oh, no, yeah, good point. Yeah. No, it's more just like an agenda for that family meeting um, of yeah. things to cover, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what's really interesting though, Jackie? You've just made me remember my um, financial advisor years ago told me that when you've got kids, you can appoint one person that looks after them in terms of the custody of them if something happens to to the parents, but then you could actually appoint a totally different person who looks after the finances mm. for them. Most people don't know that. You know, I think my mum would be great as a carer for the kids, but she's not great at looking after the budget. I'd give my best friend that role. You know, it's it's so interesting when you break it down and that's only stuff that you learn when you speak to an expert. So I guess the real question, Jackie, is I see you, you the survey found that uh, almost 50% of Australians admitted that they would be too emotional during these meetings. Is somebody, an arbiter, a financial advisor, a solicitor, the best course? It's one way, you know, it's one way, but often these are quite personal conversations as well. But if someone feels more comfortable inviting, you know, now we're used to working remotely as well, that might be an option to invite the financial planner or someone external in via a a Zoom call or something like that or go and meet them in in their offices. It's certainly an option, Um, but I think that, uh, everyone's going to find their own way with how to do things that feels right for their family. They might have five siblings. They might have two siblings in the family. They want to share equal responsibility with these types of decisions. I think doing some research about how other people do it. So often we'll have friends that we can talk to about how they manage their affairs. Did they? Who did they talk to? Did they talk to their solicitor? Did they get the final say so? And I think it's just about getting the conversation started to raise the, 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 what, what appealed to me about the research is it's raising awareness that we do avoid tough things sometimes. And yet that can cause anxiety and stress that's unnecessary. So if there's something that you can make a decision on, if there's something you can make a plan on, knowing that sometimes plans take twists and turns, that's okay. Um, that's going to relieve some anxiety and stress for people in the situation. 
like going to the dentist, you know, you do your, you have the conversations now, you get the pain over with now and avoid the long-term stress. Yep, it is kind of like that. And we do front up over and over again and hopefully, you know, this is, the the payoff is that kind of sense of calm and confidence mm-hmm. that won't keep you up at night, that you've got, got a plan. Yeah. Look, I've got to say, I reckon the biggest cause of stress for just about anybody is money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do you, do you as a psychologist, Jackie, do you find yourself dealing a lot with money problems personally? And can you give us any personal examples? <laughs> From my own life, yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, look, it's, you know, money is a stress if people are, it's one of those things that can hum underneath the surface if there's a problem. There's a, so it might not be something that takes front and centre focus day to day, but it's there if there's a time where, you know, we've just been through or we're going through extraordinary times at the moment. So a lot of people have been hit by that and their businesses or work lives have changed. And so I've talked to a lot of people in the last couple of years about that. I'm not a financial advisor and would never, you know, it's not my strong suit, um, but it's about finding a way through and people need to be heard and listened to and sometimes my role in that is helping discharge some of the stress and anxiety so that they can face having these conversations with the relevant people. Sometimes it's too too much of a muddle and it's too it's too hard to even find that way forward. So not just about uh, illness and death, for instance, business people who feel they're probably going to have to close their business and terminate their staff. Have you found cases like that coming to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. People or, or, you know, people, perhaps my clients, partners have lost their work or business and things like that. So it's not maybe not always my direct clients, but it's certainly, um, yeah, the last couple of years has been really hard and it's really We've all been uncertain about what's going on, myself included. So, you know, that's some, that's an anxiety trigger just there and then just feeling that uncertainty. So I like to focus on the silver lining yep. of this in that um, it's given us all a little bit of a wake up call and, and we're appreciating the positives in life a little more. Uh, and when things are going right and, and we've got some financial security, that's when we need to be so grateful for it. So, Jackie, how do we get hold of the guide? Uh, you go to the insurance line, they'll have it on their website. Okay, so go to insurance line, Google insurance line, you'll find the guide there. Look, one last question we always ask our guests, Jackie. So uh, what's the best piece of money advice you've ever been given? Oh, that's a really good question. What's the best piece of money advice I've ever been given? Stop spending. <laughs> yeah, stop spending. <laughs> Don't spend more than, than you've got, but have a bit of faith and confidence that that you'll be okay. That's, that's oh, my situation. Yeah. Very upbeat. We like it. <laughs> okay. Want to keep faith around it. Yeah. Awesome. Jackie, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, you know, great to see that you're alive and kicking so that you can help the rest of us. <laughs> Make our hard decisions. <laughs> yeah. We need you. <laughs> Stay strong, Jackie, and have a great yeah, day. Yeah, you guys yep. too. Thank Thanks you. So Thanks lot. for having me. Take care. Back to my favourite time of the week, the brilliant, sexy segment with the legendary Jen Frost from Insignia Financial, formerly known as IOOF, and this is our segment called The Reality Check, named after Jen's own podcast. Jen, how are you going, hon? 
Hello, Rosie. It's so lovely to be back chatting to you again. Yes. Now I'm about to throw a spanner in the works and throw out a word that makes some people really nervous. Um, Borrowing. Mm. Does it need to be a scary word? Oh, look, um, yes and no. Yes and no. I I mean, I can literally feel the producer slapping me as I say that. There's nothing worse (laughs) than someone being as neutral as that about it. But I, I think we have to understand that borrowing debt is both the most powerful tool to build worth, to build wealth, you know, to to get what we want and 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 what contributes to us building wealth and and financial security. But it is also the single greatest contributor to financial anxiety and to financial distress. You know, getting in too far in debt and in borrowing is the single biggest factor of people who are who are just in way too deep. Look, I've got to make a personal confession here. It wasn't that I went in too deep, but I've had a personal, you know, really, really difficult experience with with a personal loan. And and that was that I went halves with somebody on a personal loan. And that person left me with a sizable amount of their debt. And, and I just never saw it coming. So it was a horrible situation to be in. I've learned a lot from the experience. But if I can sit here now and just tell people how important it is to, to do your research and to make sure that, yes, you're not shying away from, from going in and borrowing, because like you said, that can be incredibly powerful. It's what gives us that ability, that leverage to, to make great things happen. But there's a lot that can go wrong. And it's not just about borrowing too much. It's about those decisions that you make along the way. So let's get stuck into it. Mm. I want to know. Let's let's find out different types of borrowing. So you've said there are good ways of having debt. What what counts as good debt these days, Jen? Yeah, look, I think, again, gosh, we, we've spoken about property a few times and there is no doubt that property has been an incredibly powerful way for Australians to make money for years. And we need to look at the two aspects of property. There is buying your home, buying your principal place of residence, and then there is buying property for an investment purpose, buying property solely to make money or make an income through rental returns. And that is in many ways, good debt. Because let's be honest, how many people listening today, Rosie, how how many of us, our friends, could buy a house outright? You know, particularly you live in Sydney, I live in Melbourne. Hello. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, mind you, I, there is nowhere in Australia that is safe anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a Tassie girl and the property prices in, in Tassie are just phenomenal now. So that is what I would say on the whole is good debt. That is enabling you to live where you want to live with your family, to put a roof over your home. It is often, albeit not always, smart to be paying off a mortgage and and the capital growth in your property versus renting. Mm. Not always, but mostly. The biggest issue with that good debt of of the home loan is ensuring that it's that it's maintainable. I don't think that's a word. Serviceable, <laughs> maintainable, serviceable, that you can afford your repayments. That's the really important thing, particularly when interest rates do in turn go up. Can you still afford to pay that debt? But on the whole, good debt. Not knowing what's going to happen around, uh, you know, the the climate at the moment as well. So you've got to have all your bases covered. Yeah. 
that to me, you know, calculated smart risks. And we know that there has been incredible reform in the lending market in Australia over the last couple of years. And mm. I have beautiful mortgage broker friends and, and plenty of people in the industry. And they, the, the questionnaire to get a home loan right now, the process to get a home loan is incredibly thorough. And that is important because we really need to know that if you're going to take on this absolutely huge debt, likely the single biggest debt that you'll ever take on buying a home, that you can afford it. So yeah, I, I would label the, the, the mortgage as predominantly a good debt. Okay. But there are other types of debts. Let's just take the property out of the equation. Yeah. Other than a mortgage, are there are there any other good forms of debt? <laughs> oh, look, again, it's so hard to be black and white about this, Rosie. You know, I know I know everyone wants the golden bullet answer. There is no doubt that again any big purchase. So let's talk about a car. Perhaps the second biggest purchase for a lot of us outside yeah. of the home is a car. Now there's no doubt that there are plenty of reasons, both superficial and and some more mm-hmm. um, you know safety conscious reasons why buying a more expensive car is is not a silly thing to do. Mm. And in turn, you can't you don't always have seventy k to drop on a car. Yep. So things like car loans, incredibly common. And again, all I would say, it don't have to think about it as a negative, you know, as bad, bad debt, you, you know, naughty, naughty debt. Mm. It is the ends, the means to an ends of something that can really add to your life. It's just ensuring that the debt is taken on in the most conscious way possible. Can you afford it? Certainly a car loan, not necessarily what I would lump into bad debt. I am I am going to turn it though, Rosie, and I'm going to talk about some of the things that for me, I just I just don't want to mask it from the ladies listening. It, it is bad debt, you know, it is. Yeah. And they tend to fall into credit card debt. Yeah. We now have buy now, pay later that we'll talk a little bit more about in a mini. Yeah. This is you know. a big one and it's only about to get even bigger. Honestly, yeah. it's a very clever scheme. Yeah. And and Rosie, I, I think this is what I really pull back on and call consumer debt. This is, I don't have enough money to buy what I want to buy, but I'm going to buy it anyway. Mm. You know, now when it comes to big purchases, cars, homes, I think that's different. And if a calculated risk is taken, that is smart. I'm talking about another designer label handbag. I'm talking about- a trip to Fiji. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The holidays, you know, I've got a wedding this weekend. It's with the same group of mates that I went to a wedding three months ago. So I'm going to go and buy another $400 dress. Yeah. You know, but I can't afford it. I don't have that money. In fact, last month I barely could meet my bills. In fact, I had to, I had to put a bill on a credit card. Yeah. You know, this is where, this is icky. This is not fun. This is not sexy super. This is, this is life. This is, you should shouldn't be putting well, it on that yeah. right yeah. you shouldn't be putting it on that credit card or buy buy now pay later if you cannot afford it and in turn that's where debt starts to starts to really accumulate and it's where debt becomes bad debt it's also can i just say it's also where our kids are learning that that's a really acceptable form of of you know consumerism mm. it's like no can't afford that now what you want that for christmas mummy can't afford it let's put it on afterpay you know it's just it's not a great lesson to be teaching the next generations it's fundamentally important, Rosie. I had my seven-year-old at the at the shop the other day. She saw something she wanted. It was ludicrously expensive and completely unnecessary. And when I said to her, "Mummy doesn't have the money for that, darling," she said, "Just put it on your credit card." 
Ooh, my blood <laughs> is gonna hot. All right, this is real. It's it's yeah, yeah. I think Rosie, this again, we could talk about for another twenty minutes. I think we need to wrap this bad boy up. I don't want this to be a negative thing. I don't want people walk away from this feeling like I've just told them off like a big nasty school teacher. I want to mm-hmm. say. Going back to a few episodes, if you're one of those people who is stuck in a debt spiral right now, you and solely you can take yourself out of it. Stop, put your feet on the ground, chin up. You've made some decisions in the past that might not have been the best for you. All right, babes, keep going. Stop the cycle right now. Stop spending and getting control of the debt. You know, that's so, so, so important. You can do it. You are empowered to do it, you know, and the clothes that you got right now are hot as, so wear them. (laughs) (laughs) Wear it backwards. I mean, wear it backwards. Put another hat on. (laughs) We're post-pandemic. We can do anything. Right. I love it. I love it. As always, Jen, you just have the best advice in the business. I am just blown away by everything that you share with us every week. And for everyone at home, you've got more questions to ask. Send them through reallysimplemoney.com. I know Jen is burning to just get to the bottom of it. And this is for you guys at home. Sign up to the newsletter, get plenty more tips and advice, and you can also win a month's worth of groceries. Thank you for listening at home. Your support is everything in this campaign, making our super payments come on through during maternity leave. We want that to be mandatory for Aussie women. It's time, guys. And uh, I know Jen, Jen Frost, the legend, the one and only, you're all behind it. Thank you so much, Jen. We'll chat to you again next week. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you, audience, for listening in. Can't wait to chat again. Bye.